Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another exciting edition of The Thought Police. I'm Mike Graham. And here's Kevin O'Sullivan. There you are. Now, um, I haven't seen much of you this week because, well, unbelievably, they've split us up, haven't they? Yeah, we're ships that pass in the yeah. night now. You work in the middle of the fucking yeah. night. Well, I wouldn't call it the middle of the fucking night. I would call it prime time. Yeah. Nine to eleven, ladies and gentlemen, just in case you've been wondering. i call but, yeah. it pub time. But, you know, I was, I was actually looking forward to not seeing you every fucking morning, but... <laughs> Actually, I quite miss you. You know, it's quite funny. It's, it's, you know? it's a horrible, horrible realization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've become fucking addicted to each other over the years, and I know it's a habit we can't break. Well, I, could, I mean, I was seeing you every day. It's like I said to I you, know. we did Plank of the Week last week, and Chuck was like, "Oh, well, nobody's seen you on screen for a while together." And I was like, "Are you joking?" <laughs> you know, like apart from every fucking day. You Absolutely. Know. But anyway, you're having a good time. I'm having a good time, um, and we're still going to be on the Thought Police, of course. Yeah. Um, and Pooch, funnily enough, has suggested that we do a Christmas uh, pub yeah. cast. Yeah. So we're trying to put that together. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Because... That, I think what we've got to up our game on is that we're going to do more live shows, even if they're the smaller ones in the pub. Yes. Uh, and we'll try to get some big shows together yeah. as well. Yeah. So more of those. Uh, in the upcoming months and years. Yes, indeed. And we should be doing a bit more Patreon stuff as well. But it's just been really, really difficult. But anyway, here we are, smack bang in the middle of all sorts of scandal. We'll get on to the political stuff later on. But should we start with the uh, lovely Carol Vorderman, uh, um, who's finally been sacked after I said she should be, weeks and, well, I think, probably months ago, yeah. when she turned into this kind of rabid anti-Tory maniac. Yeah, she suddenly became that, and she's become this sort of uh, massive, vehement critic of the Tory government. Her last uh, tweet was... Rishi Sunak's a total cunt and every other fucker in the cabinet is a motherfucking shower of shit. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Right, yeah, something like that. Honestly, is this okay for the BBC? Yeah, but seriously, her tweets aren't much w- uh, better than that. They no. really are vehement, really vicious. vicious uh, and also, tweets. did she not have, I think there was only, I think this might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. There was one particular uh, government minister, mm. can't remember which one it was, it might have been Greg Hands, I'm not sure, yeah. but she had to retract a load of stuff because she accused him of all manner of things, it corruption, and it was all cobblers, right? Yeah. So she had to make this mealy-mouthed apology and, and delete a load of tweets. And so I think that was the beginning of the end, when if you were at the BBC, albeit BBC Wales, which is quite a big organisation, because, oh, yeah. you know, we've all worked in various parts of the country. They must have gone, crikey, this woman's a fucking loose cannon. We'll either have to tell her to rein it in, or we'll just have to get rid of her. And I think, to be honest, they're better off getting rid of her. Uh, I think that's what's happened. She's trying to frame it like this. Uh, that the BBC, BBC Wales have told her, you know, that you're breaking social media rules and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you've got to be careful. Uh, and that she's decided, well, I, I must, she said, I must have my voice. I'm yeah. going to carry on. So she's trying to, like, frame it that she is kind of, 
uh, impressively walked out because they're yeah. trying to uh, curtail silence her, her, silence her and yeah. her important tweets and all that. Uh, I think the truth is that BBC Wales have said, your fucking tweets are way beyond the pale. You are hereby fired. Yes. Uh, so she's been fired. But the question is, is she's been fired for tweeting the sort of stuff that Gary Lineker, that other BBC star, is allowed right. to tweet. But again, this shows you the BBC still don't really know they're asking they, her elbow. They fucking Because don't. at the time, I remember when I was asking the question, why is Carol Vorderman still allowed to do what she does? Yes. Their view was, and I can't remember who told me this, but the BBC's view basically was, well, it's a regional programme, uh, it's a music programme, it's not really a political or an, it's not a news programme, therefore she's OK. Yeah. Well, apparently not. So they've changed their tune again. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And uh, but it was put to me by an old BBC stager today, actually. Uh, so I said, "Well, how come she's got the fucking arse and uh, uh, Gary yeah. Lineker hasn't?" He said, "Well, it's just this: Gary Lineker is much more important to the BBC <laughs> than Carol Vorderman. Yeah. So they let him get away with stuff because right. they don't want to lose him. They don't give a fuck about her." She but I would off. imagine that there will be people inside the BBC because I listened to that interview and he was quite interesting. That guy because he also said, inevitably, what these people don't realise is that what they do is actually bad for the BBC. Yes, because it's bad for the BBC's yes. image to have these nutty yes. kind of lefties tweeting millionaire lefties I should say tweeting about how ghastly the government is particularly when you see Gary Lineker who was very quiet was he not on October the 7th when still the is has, still Israel. hasn't said much about Israel yeah. uh, still, still hasn't said he's, he's, I think he's tweeted a couple of times about the marches. in support of the marches but he's not really said anything about Hamas yeah. or Palestine or Israel you yeah. know which is unfortunate and let me tell you about those marches I keep droning on about I've been to two and I'm yeah. going to have a look at this one which, uh, which hostelry will you be frequenting yeah, I'm going to go to a flash cocktail bar to watch the next one There's but they are left, interesting yeah. Gary Lineker tweeted I hardly think it's a hate march if they're all calling for a ceasefire it's a peace march when you go to these marches you won't, you don't see a whole lot of ceasefire it's all free Palestine yeah. that's what it's right. all about and they're shouting from the river to the sea everybody knows what that means and lots of people and we've seen lots of signs that, that are in my view borderline illegal uh, but the police do nothing but the thing that I really find they amusing yeah, well, the thing that I find amusing is that all these people who appear on various different shows, whether it's on our network or somebody else's, saying, oh, the thing is, you can tell that these are very peaceful marches because hardly anyone's been arrested. Well, hardly yeah. anyone's been arrested. You know, it's like putting the cart before because the horse. the fucking police yeah. don't do their That's job. because the police aren't arresting anyone. It's got nothing to do with the fact that there's no law-breaking going on. It's the fact that they don't want to fucking arrest people. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and it's so ridiculous to have police forces around the country, but particularly the Met Police, you know, basically, well, if we arrest people, there might be trouble. Well, your job is to arrest people who break the fucking law. And a lot of law-breaking is going on in these marches. Yeah. A lot of jihad chanting, uh, from the river to the sea, when will Palestine be free? Free, yeah, yeah. free Palestine. Essentially, that is a call for the State of Israel to be annihilated. Right. These are calls to violence. They are illegal. The police's approaches don't arrest right. anybody. And also, these are the same people who are walking through central London. If they see any of those signs, uh, which are hostage, uh, you know, posters for the kids who have been taken hostage, yeah. they rip them down. If they've got a can of spray paint, they'll spray paint something. Um, if they see a poppy seller, you know, apparently they'll attack them. People are now saying they're frightened to sell poppies on the streets of Britain, which is a fucking disgrace. Yeah, yeah. And, and stations, they're yeah. terrified. Yeah, that poor old guy, 78-year-old yeah. war veteran. I've been 
Denver, Ed- Edinburgh, yeah. punched to the ground by a pro-Palestine mm. supporter in Edinburgh station. And also there were those old, uh, those old elderly people in Waterloo last yeah, weekend yeah, who were surrounded by these, these sort of picture, thugs. Yeah, and all these Palestine flags. Britain is a very weird place at the moment. Particularly London. I mean, I was just walking into the building here today and I walked past a load of kids who were coming out of some kind of college rather. And they, all the girls were wearing um, veils, right? And not one of them was wearing a poppy. Not one. And that's what's going on in this country. I had a conversation with an MP this week who said, you know, I'm not surprised by what's happened here because in the end, Britain is now a divided country between people, many of them are young, and they're not all Muslims, they might just be young students or whatever, who have no interest in British heritage, no interest in wearing a poppy, no interest in thanking their elders and betters for making the world that they live in safe for them. Mm. They just go, fuck you, you're all wrong, you're all horrible old bastards, and you're all fucking basically war criminals because you bombed Dresden. I mean, that's kind of the main main sort of point that they they, they think. And we're war criminals because we support Israel because Israel is retaliating because it's an apartheid what, what, state. What those fucking cunts Hamas did yeah. on October the 7th. That's what's going on. Yeah. Israel uh, is defending itself. He's got every right to do it. But these marches, they are a kind of indication of what critics call as the sort of Islamification yeah, of Britain. Yeah, totally. You've got five million Muslims. How interested are they in uh, this country, in Britain's interests? Mm. Are they interested in that, or are they interested in turning this into a country that is ruled well, by Sharia seen, law? We've seen what's happened in the north of England, where several council leaders have uh, quit the Labour Party yeah. uh, as Labour councillors, having been elected as Labour councillors, on the basis that they don't like uh, Keir Starmer's policy on the ceasefire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that tells you all you need to know. Exactly right. And, and uh, that's the other problem for Labour, because Labour have now got a whole bunch of front benches who are beholden to minority interests who have got them into Parliament. And they're now being told, you better fucking stand up for us. And this is a very interesting time to be a politician in this country. Yeah, I suppose we should put our cars on the table so as we don't look like idiots should events overtake us. We are recording this a a couple of days before the planned march, the Armistice March. Now, today, on our time, which is Thursday, uh, Suella Bravman's got an article in The Times in which uh, she says that the trouble with the police is they play favourites with demonstrations. In other words, she says, do you remember the lockdown demonstrations, Mm. the anti-lockdown demonstrations? The police were down on them like a tonne of fucking bricks. Uh, Do they treat pro-Palestine marches the same as Millwall fans? No, they fucking don't. don't. The police are biased, they're left-wing, and Suella's got a point. And what does Downing Street put up about her article? They said, we didn't approve it. We don't give a fuck whether you approved it or not you stupid cunts she's saying what a lot of people agree with and if Rishi Sunak if he sees anything that might be popular with the electorate he fucking stamps on that as soon as he can I don't think he knows what's actually popular with the electorate I mean can you do she does yeah of course she does in the midst of all of the turmoil of the Middle East in the midst of all the nutty stuff that's going on with the migrants and the, the boat people coming here every fucking day by the hundreds, um, he decides to make out that we'll all be much better off um, if we um, get some more oil and gas in the North Sea, uh, have some more driverless buses, um, and lock a few more people up uh, who have already been locked up, but for a bit longer. And you're going, is that it? Yeah. The fucking King's yeah. speech was an absolute crock of shit. <laughs> So boring yeah. as well. And fucking... The King's well, Dump, they should have called it. And then you, you get this uh, police chief, the Met Police Chief, no, Sir Rowley. Rowley. 
you know, you and I are slightly differ on the, the, this uh, Armistice Day march. Yeah. Uh, I'm against it. I, I think I agree with Sunak. It's disrespectful. Yeah. I think it's fucking horrible yeah. on Armistice Day. However, I do think we should allow it. If you have the right to protest, you have to let it go ahead. Unless, mm. unless but public safety... Exactly. If public safety is at risk, that's his call. Now, he says that the reason he's allowing the march to go ahead is because... Uh, uh, the threshold for trouble yeah. has not been reached. Well, you've got Tommy Robertson, you've got a lot of far-right groups saying they're going down to protect the Senatel. They're going to be looking for fucking trouble. I don't know what his threshold is, right. but he's well, going to be in the shit, if you ask me. There's an awful lot of people who are rejecting this far-right kind of narrative that people are putting out. Baroness Warsee was the one who said it. You know, football hooligans and far-right Nazi types are going yeah. to go. There's a lot of ordinary people. Yes. I mean, I've met a couple of service bank people, right, who have said to me, um, my regiment, my one particular one that I know quite well, my regiment uh, is actually going, has been invited to the Cenotaph for the first time ever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So he says, I want to go. But on Saturday, there's an event um, at the Tower of London. And he said, they've all been advised not to wear their medals. Mm. And more or less being told, unless you absolutely really have to wear it, don't wear your uniform that's, while you're getting to the venue. That's absurd. Put it on when you get here. That's absurd. That, I'm sorry, that to me, it's that's got nothing to do with far right. It's got everything to do with the fucking decent people, decent people scumbag um, fucking um, narratives that are being put around by people like Baroness Warsi, who doesn't fucking know her ass from railway. <laughs> who's talking about, you know, you know, this is a woman who claimed for a second home when she lived in Kent, you know, while she was in the House of Lords. Yeah, well done, Baroness. Um, the bottom line is, is that a lot of people don't want to see London being taken over by a load of fucking free Palestine types. I'm sorry. That's just not what we're fucking here for. No, Certainly not this weekend. Absolutely. And as I say, uh, I believe that in principle, this Armistice Day Palestine march should be allowed to go ahead. But I think the reality of it, from what we've heard so far, when Mark Rowley says... Uh, there's no credible uh, threshold breach. You must be fucking yeah. joking. I mean, I'm no expert. You're no, no expert. I don't know about you, mate, but I'm worried about yeah. what's going to happen on, in London. There's no question. On. There's no question that London and the centre of London will not be a safe place to be uh, yeah. on Saturday. And if that is the and case... I, and I'm not going to be here because I'm going to be out of town. But, you know, if I was here, I would not be going into the centre of London. Well, and on that basis, uh, that, that London may well not be safe on Saturday, mm. then... I agree, you can't let a march yeah. go ahead that will affect, uh, threaten public safety. Yeah. You can't do that. So when fucking Rowley says there's no threat, I don't know what the fuck he thinks he's yeah. talking about. Well, this is a guy who's quite happy to fucking send a load of cops down to a load of women in Clapham Common, <laughs> yeah. you know, demonstrating, and throw them to the fucking ground. What was yeah. the threat there? Yeah. Were they worried that the women were all going to get up and start, you know, yeah. it's shouting at them or something? I mean, yeah. there was literally no threat at all. Also, similarly with the... Um, uh, you know, with with the with the, uh, the 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 BLM bollocks, you know, where they're getting down on their knees, they're, they're taking just a shortly, fucking knee. shortly before having bottles thrown at them, and they let that one go ahead. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. They they don't seem to know. And I've heard so many of these kind of defenders of the police going, "Well, of course it's the law. They have to adhere to the law." Well, there's plenty of barristers who've told me that the law does allow them to stop the march. The law does allow them to arrest more people. They don't need more powers. They've got all the powers they fucking need. They're just too scared to use them. Yeah, it's on his head. And we all know what will happen if it does turn out that you know there's there's a bunch of people that turn up at the cenotaph some of them are defending it some of them are shouting free palestine they'll attack and arrest the people defending it yeah yeah yeah, you know that yeah yeah, exactly the white british people who are defending it they're the ones that will get arrested and they'll be called far right and they'll all be locked up yeah make no mistake this is how it goes the police are pro-palestine 
they are uh, they're left wing and Mark Rowley's speaking for them. That's his fucking problem. And I'm going to ask you this: two weeks ago, two Saturdays ago, uh, the there was a big pro-Israeli uh, event yeah. planned for Central London. Yeah. Guess what? They Mark, Rowley, them, Mark Rowley banned that. Oh, yeah. he banned the pro-Israel. Oh, well, I guess that one reached the threshold. Yeah, yeah. And then, so then they said, okay, can we have our demonstrations uh, seven miles away in Golders Green, right. where the Jewish community live? Right. And Mark, um, Rowley and his boys said, oh, no, no, that's too close to the pro-Palestine march. Why not ban the yeah. pro-Palestine march? Let right. the Israelis march for his central idea, London. I'll tell you why, because he's a fucking lefty. Yeah, and the idea that, oh, they're not going to go anywhere near the cenotaph when they're literally marching from Hyde Park to Vauxhall. It's literally a fucking stone's throw from the cenotaph. And if they want to go there, they will. And I don't believe that, 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 that some of these people who are very pro-Hamas types are not going to go and cause trouble because they want to. Well, and I said this the other night. You know, what if uh, during the two-minute silence, a load of free Palestine people show up and start yeah. chanting free Palestine? In yeah, a two-minute no, silence. Exactly. What's that going to do? Exactly. Is that, is that not enough of a threat? Also, the police calling for evidence. You go and what? So you want evidence of something that hasn't happened yet? Yeah. How fucking stupid are they? Well, he's just he's just uh, t- towing the left-wing line, the yeah. pro-Palestine line. And I think, he, 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 as I say, you've got to stress, we don't know what's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, but I'll tell you this, Mark Rowley is not sleeping well right now, and he shouldn't because... His conviction or his contention, there'll be no trouble on Saturday. Fuck. You must be yeah, fucking joking. You must be fucking joking. The idea that they can predict that it will be fine is hilarious to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Absolutely hilarious. And uh, Sunak has obviously called him in on Wednesday afternoon mm. to number 10 Downing Street. Very rare event. Mm. He's obviously said, all right, mate. You, you say this march right. can go ahead on your fucking head yeah. beard. Right. Well, we'll see how it all goes. Yeah. Hopefully it won't turn into a mass brawl. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me. You see that one over in, uh, in America yeah. where they had a theatre called the Museum of Tolerance, bizarrely. Uh, oh, they yeah, had some theatre uh, where they were going to show that video, the horrible video. They showed it to some journalists here of what actually happened on October the 7th. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's, a, it's the Israeli government's version of all of the videos that were put out and they put them all together in one. And because um, the Hamas types were so incensed that a lot of Jewish people had gone to see this video, there was a mass fight outside the theatre in the Museum of Tolerance. I know, I know. And I mean, this is happening now in places like Los Angeles, Paris, London. You know, people are fighting each other because of Israel and Palestine. It's really, I find it really bizarre. Well, it's anti-Semitic. I find it really odd, though. People, you know, that old Jew hatred is rearing its ugly head again, and we know where it can fucking lead, so we all need to be extremely careful. Uh, Can we talk about the big, big, big story of the week? Come on. John Lewis, Christmas ad. John Lewis, the Christmas ad, yeah. It's got a fucking Venus flytrap in it. I heard you say that. Yeah, why are you, why are you so worried about Venus flytrap? Well, because they're very cruel to the Venus flytrap. Right. Little boy gets the Venus flytrap and he grows it and right. it gets very very big and he kind of wants it to be their Christmas tree, but the family kick it out in right. the middle of the fucking snow. Right. Venus flytraps can't survive in the snow, so it gets all cold. Well, why do you care? Uh, well, because I want them to know? bring the. Vi- you now care more about I don't plants. fucking care. You know, I, mean, I mean, I understand you care about animals and dogs and all that, but fucking plants, I'm not having it. I, I suppose so. But anyway, the point is, I like the advert. It's traditional. Yeah. It's, it's sweet. It's a family. And here's the fucking thing, Mike. You won't believe this. The entire, the, the entire family are white. Yes. That is a bold move. 
I, mean, I think maybe well maybe people are seeing this bullshit trend and saying look we don't need to do that yeah. let's do this instead let's actually yeah. represent a British family who not who aren't mixed race who haven't all got different shades of colour and skin you know because nobody does it anymore yeah see we're obviously skating on thin ice here but I don't believe it's racist to sit, when you look at some of these TV ads for Christmas to go hang on a second there's a family sitting around that table with a turkey in the middle. You've got a woman in a hijab. You've got a, a Sikh in a turban. Yeah. You've got a bloke in a fez. You have right. a black guy. You've got a white person. It's like, what the fuck kind of it's a like, gathering? As you said, the United Colors of Benetton. Yeah, yeah. Well, why are they all having... Why are the United Colors of Benetton? Why are they all having a turkey? Why right. are they also having Christmas when half of them aren't Christians? Right. So those adverts are weird. So what I like about uh, the John Lewis ad this year is it is a return to sort of yeah. traditional values uh, and it's a plausible family yeah, at Christmas. exactly. I'm sure there are people that celebrate Christmas in all parts of the world. Oh, well, yeah, and they if, do. They... And if you want to, you know, represent that, that's fine. But, you know, I think there's been this obsession with making out that, you know, everybody's British. I mean, I had some lawyer on the other night um, uh, who's of Asian um, origin and he said to me I hope you think I'm British and I was like what do you mean why wouldn't I not, why, why would I not think you're British just because um, you've got brown skin it's ludicrous yeah. the way the fucking world has gone it's absolutely nutty um, but you've been going to theatre as well so I want to hear oh story. yeah 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 so uh, for older listeners yes um, uh, for younger listeners there was a there was a great there was a fantastic character used to write for the spectator mm. in the sporting life uh, back in the sort of 70s and the early and yes. the 80s and he was called Jeffrey Bernard and he yeah. was a famous fucking piss artist right. and so he'd have to, he filed a weekly and he column. about Soho didn't yeah 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 he filed a weekly column to the spectator mm. but he was always pissed right. and he was always missing his deadline yeah. and when his column didn't turn up it was called Low Life they just used to put Jeffrey Bernard is unwell. <laughs> so, brilliantly, a guy called Keith Waterhouse, who yeah. was a drinking mate. I knew Keith, yeah. Yeah, good guy. It was a drinking mate of Jeffrey Bernard, turned this into a play right. called Jeffrey Bernard is unwell. Yes. Uh, it did very and, well. And too, it was in the it? West End, and Peter O'Toole played him. Yeah. And it's the, re- the true story of when Jeffrey Bernard woke up in his favourite pub, the Coach and Horses, in the middle of Soho at 4am right. in the bogs. Right. He'd gone unconscious about 10 o'clock and he got out and he couldn't get out of the fucking right. pub. So the whole play revolves around him phoning the land and going, Norman, where are Where the fuck are you? I've got to get out of your fucking pub. And then turning around and going, well, I suppose there's worse places to be locked up in and hitting it's the optics. Uh, anyway, so uh, brilliantly, they've recreated this uh, funny play and they've done so it. So is that it? It's just it, set in the pub? It, well, yeah, they are, they're actually doing it in The Coach and Horses. Oh, are they? Okay. So I went to The Coach and Horses uh, this week to see the play. It stars a guy called Robert Bathurst who was in okay. Cold Feet. Are they doing it upstairs? They're nice, right? in the pub. Oh, in the so pub. you just go into the pub, buy a drink, right. sit down, Brilliant. and then suddenly you're from the other side, go to fuck it out! And then in comes Robert Bathurst, and yeah. it goes on for about an hour and a half, and it's great. Really, really? good fun. Oh, that's really good. They can't get too many people in the pub, though. No, I suppose, I suppose 200 or something. That's maybe. a lot. Yeah, I mean, they, they carefully put the chairs around. Okay. Uh, and people sitting at the bar and everything, right. and just wandering amongst us. Wow. It was a, it's a good that show. That sounds like quite a good thing. It reminds me of a real story, though. I'm not going to name the person, because it's, I think they're dead now. But um, uh, it, was, it was a famous story when I was at the Express of a guy... Um, who went out and it was a Friday night and they went to the local wine bar and um, you know everybody got pissed as they always did anyway next morning his wife who normally was expecting him yeah. to be very pissed when he got home wakes up and he's not home 
And she's thinking, where the fuck has he got? You know, he's, he's either ended up some floozy or he's fucking... I mean, it wasn't unusual, completely unusual for him to get home. But she started bringing people up and asking where he... And nobody knew. So eventually, somebody said, well, I think the last time I saw him, um, he was lying down on a, one, of the bank, one of the banquettes <laughs> in the wine bar because he, you know, had too much to drink. And so I think, I, think I know where this story's going. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah. They fucking they go back to the they finally they break on Saturday nobody's around they raise the uh, the owners of the, of the wine bar and they break into the place and he's still lying there <coughs> and they try and wake him up and you know he's not very fucking you know um, alert and everything and it turns out he'd had a fucking stroke he's, right but he'd had a stroke the night before at the bar and everyone just thought he was so pissed, pissed that he couldn't stand up and so they literally just laid him out on the fucking couch <laughs> and left him there. <coughs> So I mean, you shouldn't be, really laugh. No, but that it is funny. No, they had to be rushed to hospital, um, and I think he did recover. I'm not sure if he's still alive these days. But fucking hell, well, Johnny I mean, pissed again. It shows you how, how drunk people used to be that you would literally go, "Oh Christ!" Well, yeah, that. This is it. These are the stories of the golden days of Fleet Street. Yeah. Jeffrey Barnard is right. well. I remember once uh, when I flew down to the. Cannes Film Festival yeah. with a, a mutual friend of ours yeah. who might not work far from where we are right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, we got completely fucking arsehole. Yeah. We got on a plane at like nine. I met him about eight. Yeah. We got on a plane about half past nine. Started drinking on this plane in the Oof. morning. Uh, got to Nice Airport, still drinking. Got to Cannes, checked it into our hotel and went straight to the mm. bar there. It's called the Waterman's yeah. Arms, right by the... Palais, uh, the film, the, the palace where they have the uh, film festival. Yeah. So we started doing that. Anyway, which just was the biggest fucking piss up of right. my life. Uh, and I don't really remember what the fuck happened, but yeah. I, I have a vague memory. just got to go for days. We were lying there, I remember about 6 pm, we were lying in the middle of La Croisette, ch- challenging cars to run over <laughs> us, and so on and so forth. But, you know, at the back of my mind was this slight fear. I said, fuck it, I'm supposed to be working, you mm. know, getting stories. Yeah, you oh, I'll do, something. I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. So I never did. So we got absolutely fucking asshole. And in the morning, I woke up. Christ knows when we started, two in the morning. So woke up about sort of eight in the morning, going, fuck it, I'm feeling like death and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to phone the fucking news desk. They're going to go, where the fuck have you been and all this. So I phoned. Because they couldn't reach you. No, 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 it's before mobile phones. So I phoned the news desk. They go, hello, mate, great story. I go, what? (laughs) Brilliant story. What are you talking about? (laughs) So I filed something. I filed a story in the middle of the day, which was all over page three. Wow. About some film that was coming out. Just goes to show how brilliant... (laughs) Forgot all about it. But this is the thing. I mean, we can all do these things. And, 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 you know, I think you do worry that now journalists can barely write their own fucking name, never mind actually be thrust into some mad world where you have to drink for 24 hours. I mean, I genuinely thought, when I first went for a job uh, up in uh, the Star in Tarrytown, um, and they gave me like three shifts. In America. Yeah, in America. The third shift, it was the day they went to press. It was a weekly paper. And so everyone went, right, we're going to the the pub. So I went, all right, there was a few English and Australian guys there, so it was all Fleet Street types. Went to this pub called The Mustard Seed in Tarrytown. Um, which is where apparently um, one of the there was a Frank Sinatra dinner theatre where oh, some right. mafia boss was buried underneath oh, it. Apparently, it was quite a famous town just outside of New York City. And we went to the mustard seed, and one by one, the office called to call people back. And I thought, well, I'm not really even working there really properly. So, but eventually, they fucking rang to get me back, and I came back, and I was so drunk, I literally couldn't. <laughs> 
and I was, they gave me a story to do, and I was kind of going, and it was so old, these typewriters, right? And my fucking fingers were going through. <laughs> I just literally couldn't type anything. And, um, and uh, this guy came up to me, and he, the news he said, you might as well just go home. I was like, yeah, okay, I think I should. He said, do you want to come back next week? I was like, yeah, he's like, good. He said, you're quite good. Um, you can drink a bit as well. And that was it. I mean, they didn't go, they didn't go you fucking drunk. You can drink bum. a bit, you can drink a bit, but it transpires you don't know when to fucking stop. <laughs> Well, this is it. But the point is, is that nobody gave a shit those days. I mean, it was perfectly acceptable. But I can, you can imagine now, like, staggering around drunk, going out for lunch, coming back two days later. Years ago, years ago, when I first started at The Sun in Fleet Street, back mm. in the 80s, the then news editor, God rest his soul, great guy, Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. And his deputy, Bill Newman. I he just, only died just recently, didn't he? Yeah, 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 Tom only just died recently. Great guy, really great guy. Mm. Anyway, him and Bill, uh, I, I'd started as the, uh, I was the showbiz news reporter yeah. big big job on the summer yeah uh, anyway so I'd started there been there about three days like Wednesday they said oh it's about time you came out for lunch with us yeah. you know show you could show you the ropes I said yeah okay then yeah so we went to the wine press mm. and uh, you know after about an hour I'm thinking is there any fucking food involved in this <laughs> I mean they fucking bought bottles of bottles, claret yeah. bottles yeah. and bottles and bottles I'm not kidding mm. in about an hour and a half uh we must have got through five bottles yeah. or something between the yeah. three of us. Yeah. And on and on they went. And the, when we came out of the wine press, they, they sort of marched down Fleet Street. Come on in, Kev. I was literally fucking hanging off a lamppost. Right. And right. I can't fucking go back now. So Tom goes, all right, mate, see you tomorrow. <laughs> He's the fucking news editor. <laughs> I know. This is the trouble. And that's why we have such a capacity for drinking, which is why I'm sure it's not that good for us. Because the end, so, <laughs> yes, and I've heard you know, doctors say. Well, this is the thing, you know, because I, you know, for me to drink a bottle of wine is fucking nothing at all. I know. I, I mean, know. it just doesn't even hit the size. It doesn't make me drunk. It doesn't make me tipsy. Nothing. You know, I only really feel it if I've had two. Yeah. It's yeah. A, so a bottle of wine uh, to you and I, if you drink it yourself, that's like other people having a glass it of is. wine. It really is. You, 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 you your uh, capacity for And I've taken, I've taken to putting ice in it at home I telling you this the other oh, day because yeah. you drink it actually goes a bit slower Good you know way. but I mean it's no skin off mine if I go home after the show now at 11 o'clock and I just sit up until about 2 fucking drinking yeah you know yeah. because there's stuff going on there's, there's stuff to do there's shit to watch you know um, it's been part of our lives for such a long time drinking I can't ever heavily. imagine not drinking heavily absolutely I just can't imagine <laughs> it's a way of life folks. you know uh, by the way uh, this is the best joke of the week. Go on. Uh, the COVID inquiries. Yeah. Sir Mark Sebwell, who yeah. used to be uh, Lord Sebwell, now yes. used to be the cabinet secretary. Sort of head of the civil service. When it was in the middle of the COVID crisis, mm. Matt Hancock kept locking us down. Sebwell just sort of said to everyone, fucking guy's a sort of inveterate liar. <laughs> it just keeps lying. Anyway, he recommended to Boris mm. that he fired Matt Hancock because yeah. he's a useless fucking liar. Right. But he said, so a mate of his, Simon Case, who was to follow him into the job yes. as cabinet secretary, said, why is it that you want Matt Hancock to be fired as health secretary? And Mark Semble said, to save lives and protect the NHS. <laughs> and at the fucking COVID inquiry, he apologised for that very good joke. I know. It's gallows but this is the trouble, isn't it? They're all apologising and saying, oh, we didn't think this was all going to be published. Well, maybe you should have thought about that in the first fucking place. I mean, that's the thing about the COVID inquiry. I'm wondering what the fuck the point of it is, but it is, it's fucking entertaining. It's, well, it's a much more entertaining 
fucking thing to watch than it ever was watching those god awful press conferences. Oh, yeah. Dimwits fucking. Slow, slow, please. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that was a fucking terrible time. It really was. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's kind of. I mean, you don't want to be proved right on these things, but it's absolute fucking proof that we were right to say this is a fucking shambles. None of them know what they're fucking doing. We shouldn't be listening to them. We shouldn't be fucking doing anything that they suggest because it's all coming. They might as well pull it out of their arse. They were making it. What up should we do they... now? Oh yeah, I tell you what. Yeah. Only let people go back to the pub if they sit down. Yeah. And, and order a drink. From the table. Yeah, fucking get shops to put True. arrows on the floor. Yeah. So make, you have to yeah. follow the arrows. Yeah, make sure that if they're going to order a drink, they have to have something to eat. It's fucking, it's Fuck fucking, fucking shit they made us do. And then we find out, what, not to anyone's great surprise, that they had no fucking idea what they were doing. No. And this is what I hate about the COVID inquiry, why it is just a, a waste of time. It is not mm. uh, looking into whether or not lockdowns were justified. No. It, it presupposes lockdowns were brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. They and were wrong. shit. And they were wrong. shit. Yeah, they were a fucking waste of time. And so is the COVID inquiry. Unfortunately, the only two things they've got in common, though, are that they'll both cost us fucking billions of fucking pounds. And they'll just keep taking our fucking money in order to tell us fuck all that's of any yeah. use at all. And that, what's it uh, coming out uh, today also is that uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine yeah. uh, may have been quite harmful to quite a few people. To some people, yeah. Under 40. Uh, now the thing I always thought about the vaccines was like, oh, it's brilliant, but what was it? Old um, Boris was a world-beating, yeah. game-changing. Yeah, all like the man who wanted to inject himself with COVID. Yeah, yeah, and blow a fucking yeah. vacuum cleaner up right. his nose to kill the virus. Anyway, well, he had to take it off the end of his cock first. Yeah, so so uh, <laughs> so, so we learn that the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine might have been uh, dubious to say the least. Yeah, but I always thought, you know, okay. You know, I have to go along with, oh, they were great, the vaccine saved us all. But I, never, I always thought... Well, yeah, I never said so that. So what they said, they said to us, take the COVID vaccine, you won't get COVID. Okay, oh, wait a minute, you will get COVID. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so it doesn't work. Well, what a, take it because it will stop you passing it on mm. to your granny and killing That's it. That's not true. Uh, wait a minute, it won't stop you mm. doing that. Well, so why the fuck should I take it? Well, to stop you dying. Yeah. Well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. And ask any doctor. No, I think there's no question. Ask any doctor. These were very weak. In if they, I mean, they might have worked to some extent, but they were very feeble. I oh, know. I think they worked, but I think the problem is, is they didn't work for everybody. They were probably quite dangerous for some people, um, and some people shouldn't take yeah, them. But they didn't know really enough about them to tell us that this was the answer. Yeah, but and that's where they got it wrong. Because I think what they should have said was, you know, these are things that we believe will help you if you don't want to die. Yeah. But that's but, not how they sold it. Yeah, but the vast majority of people, it's only about like 0.5% mm. of people who are ever likely to die yeah. of COVID, exactly. old people and vulnerable right. people with, with, you know, diseases and things like that. The vast, vast majority, more than 99% mm. of right. us never stood a chance of dying. I know. So when they say take the vaccine, it'll stop you dying. Well, I wasn't going to fucking die in the first place. Well, it's a bit like saying take the flu vaccine because it will save your life. Well, it might do, yeah. but if you fucking get a bad reaction to it, it might fucking kill you. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Anyway, we've reached the end of yet another uh, episode of The Thought Police. We will be back uh, with another one next week. It might be later in the week, just because of the way things are okay. at the moment. Uh, but we hopefully will be back. We'll get you one every week, very promise. possibly in the pub doing some filming. Yeah. But I know we keep saying that, but we'll do it soon. Anyway, don't do anything fucking stupid. Fuck you, you all. And if you go to that march, don't be a cunt. Yeah, don't be a cunt.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.